Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to Munchies, the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be complete idiots— It's 94 degrees here in New York City. We've chosen the hottest day of the year so far to record this thing. And I really wish I was at the beach, but we've got some important work to do. It's summer, which means it's time for day drinking, epic grilling parties, and future sunburns. To kick things off, we're digging into one of the season's essentials, the hamburger. So I'm heading off to one of the world's most traveled burger destinations. About 10 years ago, Madison Square Park somehow became New York's burger epicenter. A little place called Shake Shack opened up there and began serving some of the most craveable food anywhere on the planet. And the hype was totally real. In just a few years, Shake Shack grew from a cult classic into a worldwide sensation, with over 134 locations worldwide and counting. Then again, what else would you expect from Danny Meyer, one of the world's greatest restaurateurs? This isn't any normal fast food chain, though. They serve their signature menu to thousands of people every day, while also sneaking in incredible pop-up items from titans in food. Everyone from David Chang to Massimo Batura and April Bloomfeld have gotten involved. On today's episode, we're meeting the man behind Shake Shack's menu, culinary director Mark Rosati. He's what you might call a burger evangelist, and now travels the world to open new locations, from Beirut to Tokyo, all the while spreading the Shack gospel. So, uh, so where are we standing right now? Right now we're in Madison Park in New York City at the very first Shake Shack. So which line should I, I guess I should go to the, the regular line, right? We could, and that's what <laughs> most people do, especially the first timers, but there's a better way of doing this. Okay. And I kind of want to share that. Like the pros that like come here often over the years, they know this trip. But if it's your first time coming here, I want you to have the real experience. And today it's like 94 degrees here in New York City. I'm a little thirsty. What we should do right now, if you're if you're up for yeah. it, is we're going to go into this sea line here, which is a separate line. It's you can get drinks, you can get frozen custard. I say we get like a beer maybe. Yeah. And then go and wait in the normal line and then we have something to drink while we're waiting and it's a little parched. I don't know about you. I am very thirsty. Okay. Like you're a southern gentleman today. Well, it sounds it's lovely. warm outside. I only thought that would be the right thing to do. So let us let's guess in this let's line. Let's do it. So on a day when it's not like Satan's den of temperatures, <laughs> like the lines out here are pretty crazy. What on an average day is the amount of people that you tend to serve. My God, it can it can literally be in the thousands. Hello thousands, I should say. It's a lot and it just depends how many people are in line that day, what the weather's like. If you get a beautiful spring day in New York and coming off a horrible, hellacious winter, people wanna come outside. They wanna celebrate, they wanna be outdoors. And there aren't too many places in New York where you can sit outside 
eat a burger, drink a beer, especially under the stars at nighttime. So I think that's why this has kind of become like one of the iconic places in New York City. What is the most popular thing at this location? The Shack Burger. Yeah. This is this is like where it was born out of. And the cool thing is for me, the surreal thing, is to look across the street and see 11 Madison Park, which is where the kitchen was for Shake Shack in those early days. This location did not have a kitchen, anything better than what you see here. And to actually like say, make our chocolate toffee or grind our hamburger meat, it wasn't gonna happen. So we had to use a private dining room kitchen of 11 Madison Park. But when we opened, there was something about the simplicity of our food, but the quality that just really resonated. And the next thing you know, this little location just developed this massive line. It was never built to do that sort of volume. We didn't have the right refrigeration or everything. So we were literally shelling food across from Madison Park those first year or two every single day going, what the heck is going on here? Like, it's like it, it has to stop after a while. People are going to get sick of this and just never stop. Hi, how's it hey, going? Man, how you doing? Good. You? Doing pretty well today. Um, I'm feeling like a beer. How about you? I'm having what you're having. We're yeah, gonna two shack Meister Ale. This should quench our thirst, I think. I'm gonna go small myself. Yeah, I kind of prolong my drinking throughout the day so I don't go too hard, too fast, and fall over. So yeah, two smalls would be uh, would be perfect here. All right, that'll do it. That's gonna do it. All right, two small beers. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So we're gonna get our beers and go back in line. And this is such this is such a key move, especially on the weekends when the line is really long, because if it's hot outside, we have something to quench our thirst. Also, you can like drink outside, which is again, kind of this nice, is one of know? the nice things about Madison Park and having Shake Shack here. Step up right to this open oh, register. We're gonna enjoy, order, right? All right. What do you have, Helen? I I mean, what should I order? I don't know. I I always feel like if it's your first time, you eat the Shack Burger because it is like our 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 most popular burger and staying the test of time and it's so good i think it's iconic okay let's do that all right so i think we'll have uh one shack burger i think i'm gonna do a cheeseburger with pickles onions um quarter cheese fries yeah yeah you probably get asked this question a lot but like what makes a great burger i think for me it's um it's a few different elements that come together. I think one is the ingredients. Um, I know like myself, like when I first had a real great burger, to me a great burger was like fresh, all natural meat, uh, seared, just nothing more than salt and pepper to create a nice crust lock in the juices. That in itself is so good, it really doesn't need anything else. If you can master the basic art of just like cooking the meat, grinding the meat, find the right bun that's gonna pair with it where you don't get a lot of bun, just a little bit of meat, but almost the reverse. But still, you want the bun because you want to cradle all those juices that are going to come out. I think that makes an excellent burger. And once you have that figured out, toppings become a lot easier. Um, our style at Shake Shack has always been to uh, apply any topping with a lot of restraint. Just because when I was growing up, my first experiences with burgers, the very memorable ones were summertime going to the beach with my family my dad would always bring like a little hibachi grill when it came time to have lunch you get the hibachi lit and you pull out burgers and we'd start cooking them and i didn't want pickles or onions i just wanted a cheeseburger on a bun and that's what i grew up eating and loving and that's like my first impressions of a cheeseburger or a hamburger so now like come 30 years later i'm thinking to myself it's all about simplicity 
And while you can do amazing things these days with like crazy toppings and if you want to get fancy, do like a, a porcini ketchup or like foie gras, you can do that for sure. But I think most people like that some of the time, but all the time people just want a simple burger from their childhood just done really well. All right, so we're looking at burgers yes. right now. Should we eat? Yes, yes. Okay, I have my burger over here too. All right, well, cheers. Yeah, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> I'm very happy. The first thing I, I, I'm tasting there is the beef. And back in those early days, we worked with Pat Lafredo, who's now a star in his own right amongst people in the food and wine community, especially here in New York City for just being so gifted with like meat and what he can do with it. And back in the day, it's back in 2004, we were working on the Shack Blend and we had a, a very unique vision for it. We were saying, we want to smash and grill our burgers, we want to smash them thing, create a lot of surface area, create a lot of caramelization. And what can we do? So Pat's like, well, there's so many wonderful cuts of beef. What do you want to use? And Danny Meyer, back in the day when he was thinking about Shake Shack, he was saying to himself, well, there are all these different cuts. You're right. So he's like, well, what if we did a blend? What if we tried all these different cuts separately, grind them up, and then choose a couple of different ones for different attributes that once brought together would create something very delicious. And Danny was almost looking at the burger blend like a fine winemaker would think about crafting a, a Bordeaux where grapes have different attributes. You know, some give you like different mouth textures, some have different flavor profiles. And you can create something that instead of just being one dimensional has like all these like peaks and valleys and becomes more interesting when it's combined with other uh, grapes or in this case, different cuts of beef. So we put so much time in making sure the heart of the soul of the burger, the beef was so good that that actually it's the first thing I'm tasting. It's interesting, it's beefy. And I think something else that's really cool is at the time, this is going back to 2004, April Bloomfield, who we didn't know, was saying out to open Spotted Pig. And there she is. She's thinking about a burger too. And Pat was working with her. And she had a very different version of a burger. She wants something super rich and hefty. And she was going to put hers on a grill and grill instead of griddling it. And she had a different bond of mind. So you think about burgers starting back in 2004 that become so iconic and so wonderful in New York City. It's like we were thinking about just classic roadside Americana and April had a very different version was gonna be a bigger burger and she was only gonna put Stilton cheese on there. And it's like, I still think, you know, going 13 years later, I think if you were coming to New York for the first time, I think the two burgers on the top of your list would have to be a Spotted Pig and Shake Shack because we, we anchor different styles in America that are both unique and different. You'd be surprised that, you know, we use the same meat guy, yep, but he created these two different wonderful blends that show you how much you can really do with ground beef and what a burger can be. So looking at your life now, you're traveling the world. How many days a year are you on an airplane? It depends. Um, a few years ago, we had a very ambitious year. We opened five new cities internationally at once with all different supply chains and localized ingredients and we wanted to bring Madison Square Park as most guests around the country around the world first experience Shake Shack to their city anytime we open a new location everyone's like is it like New York City and we want to bring that we know we have a lot to live up to so you eat the burger we want it to taste like it does here in the park in New York City so at the same time as we grow we want to make sure we can localize as many greens as we can Opening in London, we're really, really excited to open there because it's one of the most amazing dining scenes in the world right now. They also have such great ingredients that why would we ship beef over from the Midwest here in America? 
why don't we just go up to Scotland, go to Aberdeen and source at Angus, like right from the source. And we were excited to do so, but of course that takes a lot more time to find and identify amazing uh, farms, to find people that are lovingly raising cattle, than to find a butcher. We tried out so many butchers in London. We settled on the royal butcher actually, Aubrey Allen, who's the butcher of the queen. It also uh, helps that he supplies Heston Blumenthal and other amazing chefs like Sat Baines and Nottingham with their beef. So we knew we were in uh, good company. But again, all that takes a lot of time. And again, we pride ourselves on going to the farm, going to uh, the butcher, visiting them, meeting everyone. We want to feel like family. So that takes a lot of time. So we did that in London, in Istanbul, in Moscow, in uh, Saudi Arabia, and in Lebanon. We were very busy that year, and we opened all those countries, all those cities, and it was, uh, I spent more time on a plane, I spent more time outside New York City that year than I did in New York City. I put out almost 200 days on the road. So I want to go back to the idea of, you know, you touch down in Istanbul, or you touch down in London, and, you know, you're sort of trying to figure out, like, who's our butcher, who's our, you know, local bread person? Can you think back to a specific time or incident where it was like, uh-oh, and how are we going to deal with locally sourcing something? Because I think what's so interesting about you guys is that in your new cookbook, you mentioned, like, the, I'm paraphrasing here, but the bigger you get, the smaller you have to um, act like a small restaurant, yep. essentially. Um, so, I mean, how do you go about finding local purveyors? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. For ingredients, it's it starts with really trying to understand that city or country um, as deeply as we possibly can, and it's it's not the easiest thing to do sometimes because we want if our menu we want our menu to feel authentic, inspired, um, and not cliche. And like there's some there's some items like again like matcha in Japan. I hear about this combination like people love matcha and like ice cream. But I'm like, but is that really true? I mean, people might say, like, New Yorkers love cheesecake, and it's a little sad to say a lot of the classic cheesecake uh, places in New York City, like a Carnegie Deli, are now out of business. It's like, it's hard to find a good cheesecake. You still have a couple tried and true ones, but I don't know if every New Yorker loves cheesecake and can easily find it, but that might be something stereotypical someone would be reading from outside New York City. So I kind of say the same thing to myself. I can hear a lot about a food scene and like, uh, but I wonder if it's really accurate and really true because again, I want to go there and be contemporary too with what we're doing. So the first thing I'll try to do is is find people that are doing food, food or wine or coffee in a contemporary uh, setting. Um, sometimes that means researching like co coffee shops and like understanding that the place is like kind of really trying to push the envelope. Then I'll go visit them. And then I usually find that these guys are working at a high level. They're roasting beans in-house. They're making beautiful, beautiful coffees. Uh, and maybe they're even making interesting, like, kind of really forward-thinking pastries to pair with it. I'm like, wow, I love these guys. Like, if I lived in this city, this is the place I would become, like, a regular at. 
So I get curious about the people that started this concept or also about the people making the coffee themselves. I imagine you put this much attention in detail into this very unique vision you have. I'm sure once your day off, you try to seek out people that are like-minded that maybe have like a cool like uh, wine bar where maybe they're pouring like natural wines and they're making like their own house-made charcuterie. And then that starts to open up like a, a bigger group of people that I might meet that will say, oh man, you're in town visiting, checking us out. Like, yeah, man, like we do, we love wine, we all this stuff. You know who we love? There's this guy that has a great bakery. He's doing stuff that we'd love to check, that you might want to check out. And I start to develop a network of people that I admire that I start to understand kind of like maybe the younger sensibilities of people trying to push the envelope in their, in their city. So maybe they're doing food in Istanbul. Uh, that's maybe has a little bit of like tradition to it, but it's also a little more contemporary, a little more forward thinking. At the same time, when I mean these people, I also want to see the people that have come before them that say maybe make the best baklava and been doing it for hundreds of years that like, you know, if you grew up in Istanbul and you're going to a special party, you have to go and buy baklava and bring it to that party. People are like, why'd you bring buy it from these guys? Like they don't make the best in the city. I feel you have to understand both sides of the culinary scene in these cities. And again, like that could be Istanbul or Moscow. Like, you know, I could read about borscht, but it turns out after spending some time there, like the borscht as we know it today, that's red, is not the real, real traditional borscht. It's actually started off as a green dish. And we're understanding the heritage of that and how it got from being its origins all the way up to where it is today and how like people from outside Russia may understand it. And then everything understand everything in between, like saying, okay, yes, Borscht is a very big part of our culture, but you know what also is a very big part that you may not even heard about? Young pine cones. Candy young pine cones that you can put in cocktails, that you can turn to desserts that, that you can just snack on. And I was like, what? And the first time I tried this, I'm like, oh my God, how come I've never eaten a pine cone before? This is wonderful. But again, it's something that's very true and also um, say cranberries. I had no idea that in Russian cooking, like cranberries are a big part of it. And it's not uncommon to start off with like a cranberry beverage before you start to eat your food. There might be a lot of cranberries in their food. But again, I would have never known that unless I actually traveled there. And then the question to myself is, do I see this being used in a contemporary setting and also a traditional setting? Does it kind of fit both spaces? Is this something that really people gravitate towards to? And then if it is, then the question is, does it have room on our menu? Can we incorporate it in a way that again, people would say is an awesome addition to an American-inspired roadside burger stand? If the answer is yes to both those questions, then we keep going down that avenue. But again, I'm always so nervous, like we'll create stuff that I feel resonates, but then my first thing is to go back to our team in those countries and go, try and be honest with me. Tell me, do you think this is great? Is it cool? Or is it like, nah, he doesn't he doesn't quite understand like how, how like Shake Shack can fit into our food scene and still like be both honest to each other. You know, David Chang always says that like fast food is still the perfect restaurant model because you can feed a lot of people and it comes out consistently every time, in theory. Yes. When you think about all of the amazing chefs that you guys work with, can you talk a little bit about how you work with them? And uh, I would imagine for them it's kind of a fantasy because it's, you know, a different way for them to be able to create something really interesting. but do it in a completely different atmosphere than what they're used to. We work with so many wonderful, talented, inspiring, fine dining chefs, such as David Chang, such as April Bloomfield, Daniel Hume, Massimo Batora. I think a lot of them feel a bit of a kinship to what we do here. We're trying to do this at a high level, but make it accessible to as many people as possible. And I think if you're trying to get a reservation 
at Mamafuko Co. or Danielle or Eleven Madison Park or Osteria Francescana, it might be very hard because they have a lot few seats and they only have maybe one or two servings a day. And to get into there, they have so many fans that want to come to New York or go to Italy or try their food wherever they are. And it's hard to get into the restaurants. And I think about, you mentioned David Chang. I think about what he created with us. And it's still one of my favorite collaborations to date because I think when you look at that burger, you see Shake Shack and you see David Chang at the same time. And David brought his vision, he brought his flavors, he brought his kind of whimsicalness and sense of humor in his cooking. And at the same time, it's an American burger. And the cool thing was, it was called the Shrimp Stack. And he didn't want to use bacon because when we did the David's Burger, it was with uh, a few other chefs during a whole week of amazing burgers. It was one chef one day, then the next day we reset and we do a different burger with a different chef. So David was looking at the chefs going, I know all these other guys. He's like, I'm not going to be surprised if they're all doing pork. And people are going to look at me and think I'm doing pork. He's like, I want to surprise them. I want to do something out of left field. So he wanted to do a shrimp burger. And the more we were talking about it, the idea of possibly taking the shrimp burger on, putting it on top of a burger became even more fun because David was going to cold smoke the shrimp patty. So it had smokiness, it had umami, not too dissimilar to bacon, but it wasn't bacon. So he could bring in that flavor and the effect you get with uh, pork without using it. He was going to use shrimp. And then the idea of like this kind of surf and turf started to take off. And, and it was not the idea he originally had in the moment. But all of a sudden, like the wheels started moving, like everyone in the kitchen lit up and he starts sending people across the street to Noodle Bar because they had certain pickles they wanted to try. He sent someone downstairs to get more mayonnaise and try to make something even more complex with the sauce to complement it. So born out of that meeting was this amazing burger that I don't think anyone ever saw coming, but it was so inspired and so in the moment. And I think it resonates so well with him and his team and us at Shake Shack that I think that was something that was like so like unexpected, but so beautiful. And again, it was born out of the pure collaboration process. That again, I think you, if you went there to Shake Shack that day here in Madison Park and tried the burger, you saw something very different from David Chang that day. That still was so David Chang. And I think that's the excitement of, of collaboration, bringing people together. And I'll talk about one more, uh, Massimo Batura. He created a burger, uh, and this is all centered around when he had a book coming out, uh, Never Trust a Skinny Chef. He reached out to us and said, hey man, I'm gonna be in New York City. I'm gonna be there during Columbus Day. Would you like to collaborate with an Italian chef on Columbus Day? And it's like, oh my God, can I, can I get you to write this in a contract right now that you're not gonna back out? Like, yes, what can we do to make this happen, chef? Um, and he, he said the same thing. He was like, I want to create a burger that's true to the American roots of what a great burger is. I want it to be simplistic, but I'm from Emilia Romagna here. I want my burger to taste like where my restaurant is. He goes, I want to use a lot of famous ingredients, but at the end of the day, it has to resonate with New Yorkers and has to resonate with Italians at the same time. So what he did was he looked around all the great ingredients from his region. He said, we have Cotechino sausage. We have Parmesan Reggiano. He goes, I want to, I want to put these in the burger. So when you sear your beef patty, the fat from the Cotechino is going to start to render. It's going to perfume the burger. The cheese is going to start to melt. It's going to caramelize on the outside and make this almost like this crispy like little crust. And he's like, now I want to kind of put this on a bun. And now let's play with it. He goes, balsamic. That's from my region here too. Why don't we make a balsamic mayonnaise? And he goes, it's also going to amplify like the beefiness of the burger too. He said, like, now we got a mayonnaise, we got Parmesan, we got beef, we got Cotechino sausage, heavy elements. 
He's like, now we need that kind of a city to break through it all and bring balance. So what he did, create a salsa verde. So it's like there's a lot of harmony in this here too. So talk about a simplistic burger, which again, I think I think the great burgers of, of America are all about simplicity, letting like really smart ingredients show through and again, make beef even more exciting. The salsa verde cut through the richness of all those other flavors. At the end of the day, it was a beef patty with all these flavors in there on a mayonnaise that had balsamic and the salsa verde. And that was it. It was a beef patty with two sauces. It couldn't be any more simplistic. But I guess at the end of the day, that was really true to Massimo and it was wonderful. Let's say I'm a famous chef. I have this burger that I want to make with you. We go into the kitchen together and we make something. And I give you my burger and you take a bite. What are you looking for? Like if you could describe the characteristics of, of what it should feel like as an eater or intellectually, like what is the aha that you are constantly looking for? For me, I think that moment is, I try to, I'm, when we're, we're cooking the burger and starting to like layer ingredients and talk about all the different elements we want to bring together with the chef, I'm, I'm taking notes, but I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm trying to separate myself at the same time, dude. It's very hard because um, I want to make sure what, what they want to do is something we can do at the Shake Shack. I want to make sure whatever this burger we create is something that we can actually cook and make it as excellent as what I'm about to taste. So that's, that's kind of in the back of my mind, it's not the front of my mind. At the end of the day, once it's in the bun and it's handed to me, I kind of shut my eyes and I forget everything that we just talked about and I take a bite blindly. And if, if everything is singing and it's, it's really going to be a rock and roll burger, I forget that I'm eating it. I forget about all those components. I just take a bite and say, my God, that is freaking delicious. And for one minute, I'm not thinking about Shake Shack. I'm not thinking about all the elements. I'm just saying to myself, I, I'm actually off the clock right now, guys. Like, let me zone out for a few minutes. Enjoy this for being a fan of hamburgers because it's so beautiful. And then I'll kind of zone back in. And then we'll start breaking it down. I think that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to be thinking about it critically. If it's so delicious, all of a sudden I should be so surprised I'm in this beautiful moment. Thanks so much to Mark Rosati, Stella Shee, and the entire team at Shake Shack. And thanks to my podcast producer, Phil Domahovsky. Mark Rosati's brand new cookbook, Shake Shack, Recipes and Stories is out. So grab a burger and dig in for a great summer read. Check back in two weeks for our next episode of Munchies the Podcast. So until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook too. And if you like the show, show us some love and rate it on iTunes. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. 
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.